if I unpack this shit and make myself better, am I going to lose part of what drives me forward? Am I going to lose some of what's brought me here? Hi everyone, my name is Inherit George Carey and you're listening to Daddy Issues, a podcast dedicated to confronting fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want this podcast to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you may possess, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us and so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this topic as one that needs to be recognized, heard and confronted. In today's episode, I am talking to Leah Bowden. At this time of recording, Leah is not only Head of Internal Communications at Close Brothers, but also the Director of Humanised Communications, a company she set up in response to the still pervasive practice of talking to employees like robots, not people. Her attributes don't just stop at having a heart of gold and a mind of a businesswoman. She's also a linguist, having studied French and Spanish at Cambridge University, which she has again used for the better of others, volunteering at office administrator for Médecins Sans Frontières. Très bien. <laughs> Yes, the world's leading independent international medical relief organisation, amongst other organisations. On top of all of this, Leah is a single mum to three-year-old twins. You should be in awe of this woman already and you haven't even heard her story. Leah, welcome to Daddy Issues and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So although Leah is on this podcast to talk about fatherlessness, because fatherlessness is the premise of this podcast, she is also motherless, tragically losing both her parents at the tender age of three. So Leah, if you could just take us back to why it was you were orphaned at such a very early stage in your life. Sure. So um, ironically, my family was traveling to visit my nan for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, to be honest, we don't really know what happened, but my um, my mom was driving the car and she lost control. So we're all in the car and um, she lost control of our car and then hit another car head on. And then the, our car just kind of rolled over and over and over. Um, and my mum and dad were killed. Um, my mum outright, mm-hmm. my dad was, um, he sort of lingered on but in the car Right. and my brother was badly injured and I was not injured but I was conscious throughout mm-hmm. um, and the way that they sort of pieced the accident together, <clears throat> so my dad didn't drive so my mum was driving, they'd started off in the front seat together mm-hmm. but at some point my dad had moved to the back seat in between me and my brother and so when we kind of had the accident, he was in the back with me and my brother and he sort of, from the stories I've been told, so yeah. he tried to save us. Oh, right, yeah. As we had the accident. Oh, gosh. And so, you know, we had to be cut out of the car, the, the fire brigade came, jaws of life, 
lot like your story. Yeah, um, I know. I actually remember when you when we first got introduced, yeah. I was like, it's so weird. But I know, yeah. I know, and you know, it's to be honest, when I was a child, and for a long time, I think I just shoved everything down, mm-hmm. deep, deep down, mm-hmm. and never really even thought about what that scenario yeah. might actually mean be like in reality yeah you know i'm sentient i'm a three-year-old yeah my dad is effectively dead on top of me and i'm completely compass throughout and do you remember anything do you have memories of it i i have one memory mm-hmm. i have one memory of the emergency services and what i remember are the flashing lights mm-hmm. i remember a woman a woman in a high-vis talking to me and reassuring me and telling me that, you know, it's okay. And that's really the only memory that I have. Everything else is subsequent to that, mm-hmm. like the trips to the hospital to see my brother where I would wedge myself between the back seat and the back of the front seat mm-hmm. in that little stoop there. Yeah. And I don't know, again, only on reflection do I think, oh, shit maybe because of you know yeah. I was so fucking terrified yeah 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 <laughs> of the experience I don't know I yeah. have an imagination so no, was no. that where I ended up in the accident was that where they found me yeah just wedged in that little space and that was my safe space but that's how I used to travel yeah you know, this is before seat belts were mandatory or it was maybe just a part in the car that you felt safe mm. because you couldn't see the road or uh, something to do with yeah just feeling more kind of cosy in that little safe mm. space. It was definitely my safe space. Yeah. God, that's so interesting. Mm. And do you remember how you felt? It's obviously so difficult to go back to the age of three. Mm. Do you remember how you felt at the time? Were you scared? Mm. I mean, the reason I ask is because when I, when you're a child, mm. as you say, yeah. it's, it, that experience for you was your norm. <laughs> Like, yeah. it became your norm. It's, mm-hmm. it's your life. So, like, whenever you yeah. hear about stuff, obviously, it's yeah. like, whoa, that's, how did that person mm. cope with that? It's just yeah. your normality. So, I think I just went into lockdown Yeah, at that age. I was so young, and I just put a lid on everything. Mm. So, after the accident, my brother and I went to live with our grandmother, my mum's mum. And so, you know, a lot of what I've heard is from her recollections of that time and what she told me at that time was I never cried I never cried I never cried or asked where's my mum where's my dad I knew wow I knew what had happened yeah because you'd seen it yeah exactly yeah so I was just on lockdown yeah so I wasn't scared I was just you were just turning in on myself and coping yeah do you have any memories of your parents? And if so, what stands out the, the strongest for each parent? Um, no, is the simple answer. My Literally, my first memory is that accident memory. Wow. That's the first one. That's... If I, if I was a psychoanalyst <laughs> and we were sitting in this exact room because this looks like it could be... Sort of, with the couch. Yeah, with this couch right here. <laughs> I would argue that could be to do with Mm. trauma blocking. You know, that thing that Mm -hmm. apparently exists. I don't even know if if I have that. Yeah, but as in you forget your body just Mm. 
goes into coping yeah. mechanism and forgets everything. Exactly. It's almost like that accident was like the kickstart mm. to your life without... It's like a reset. Yeah. Like yeah. a new life. A reset. Yeah. And it sort of wiped the old programming because, you know, at that age, you are it's very much your formative years. So I went from having a father and a mother and being nurtured in a very different way by very different people mm. before the age of three to after the age of three. Like my whole reality changed. And I think what I think about most often is probably what kind of person would I have been mm. had this not happened? Yes. I and of course, in my mind, I would always be so much better than I am now. <laughs> I don't think that actually can exist. <laughs> You're so, so great. <laughs> no, 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 trust me. <laughs> But actually, I was going to, I really want to talk about that Mm. and I'll get that, I'll get there later, but I want to keep going sort of as as Mm. much as we can chronologically. But with, um, do you have, I'm not sure this is chronological, but anyway, but do you have, okay, so for example, people who've Mm. lost a parent, met them at some stage in their life, but then they lose a parent, for example, me seeing Mm. men in suits with Mm. briefcases and glasses and curly hair literally makes my heart thud in a non sort of weird way Mm -hmm. because that was my dad and Mm. even if they don't have the 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 curly hair and and the glasses just a man in a suit with a briefcase at a certain age yeah is literally like (gasps) or (laughs) or like a guy wearing a yellow jumper like literally the weirdest stuff but do you have and it's more like a soft spot that you have Mm. for that is there anything that you've noticed in your life mm. to do with either women or men who yeah. would have been the same age as your parents were when they both died mm. that you think that you get a soft spot for when you don't know why that is? Or does that has that not existed? In- um, less so for me, I think. Yeah. Because um, I didn't really know my dad. There is an ideal there, absolutely. And so, for example, if I see handsome, academic-looking guys, yeah. then, yeah, absolutely. My dad was an academic, handsome, well, who knows. But um, <laughs> certainly not my place to say. Yeah. Um, Your mum thought but so. But it's more, I think I was probably more shaped in terms of my relationships by the kind of emotional detachment that my granddad had. And so... Right. That was the relationship that probably formed my own questionable choices yeah. later yeah. in life. Yes. So going there actually mm. now, perfectly timed. Yes. You moved in. You and your brother moved in. Mm-hmm. What were yeah. his injuries? <clears throat> so he had um, swelling on the brain, head injuries, mm-hmm. and they honestly didn't think he'd be able to walk again. Right. Um, he had a long rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, Aged aged one and a half oh so God, he was a baby he was even baby mm. <gasps> my god yeah he was a baby gosh so um, you both you both have you both have no memory yeah yeah mm. yeah how do you think that does that make things easier or, or hard i mean not that there's a necessarily an answer, a correct answer mm. for that but does that because you both don't remember yeah. is that do you think easier for you both to connect in that sense rather than envy someone who has a memory mm. i'm not sure yeah i think would I be envious if I had an older sibling who knew them? I don't know. I can't empathise, actually, with that scenario. Yeah. Um, I only ask because my little brother was three. Mm, and yeah. he says that he doesn't know what are memories and what are yeah. dreams with his... Yeah. And also us talking mm. about dad. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, car accident, really yeah. uninjured, awake the whole time. Yeah. And 
I don't know if I wouldn't say he envies us because that mm-hmm. would that would sound almost like a jealousy yeah. thing, which it's not. Yeah. I think it's just more he finds it very difficult yeah. that he's the one who mm. doesn't have yeah. a memory. I can imagine that if you're yeah. in a large family, like you're, you're quite a large family, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And if you're the only one of five yeah. that doesn't remember, yeah, I would feel cheated. Yeah, yeah. In it, that scenario, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so going to your grandmother, so you moved yeah. in with her and your grandfather. Mm. Yes. So tell me about your relationships with them mm. and how they parented you and yeah. all the rest. So my relationships with my grandmother and my granddad were quite distanced, I'd say. And I think that was intentional on my part. I know from a really early age that I rejected my nan especially Um, and she was the primary caregiver she really did everything for us and bearing in mind and it's something I can only appreciate now you know when she found herself at the age of 56 having lost her only child my mum and with a three-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old yeah so I know you know from hospital reports that you know she wasn't coping initially but then obviously yeah by force of necessity she had to but you know I always rejected her because she was not who I wanted her to be right even from a young age yeah really always always the only literally the only person when I was a child that I would ever go to was my dad's dad interesting my granddad yeah the only one and why, what do you mean that she wasn't what you wanted her to be? Um, so she wasn't who I wanted her to be. Who you wanted I her to be. I think that's what I meant. Yeah. So she wasn't, she wasn't your mom. my mum and I didn't want to let her in. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about before when I just sort of shut down. Shut down and I just kept a lid on everything and I've been shoving everything down for yeah. a long, long time. And do you, do you remember that conscious decision? to mm. do that or was it subconscious yeah I've had that a few times subconscious or unconscious what's the word subconscious 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 yeah. so <clears throat> I think because I was so young I did it subconsciously at the with my yeah. nan yeah I've definitely done it consciously with other people since yes absolutely yeah um but my re- consequently my relationship with my nan was never close with my granddad who was actually my nan's second husband right he was as we kind of discovered when we're older, very much on the spectrum. So he was very um, distant. Mm -hmm. So he would play cricket with us and football with us, but Mm. he would never get involved with, you know, any kind of pastoral care or emotional care. Yes, (laughs) exactly. But, on the spectrum today yeah 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 so even even more (laughs) detached exactly (laughs) exactly yeah so okay so you it was you didn't have a fruitful relationship there no no so why do you think you had that relationship with your dad's dad probably as a way of being closer to my dad Mm -hmm. um and somebody that i was speaking to recently um in another context, just really made me realise that, you know, there are people out there that could probably tell me about those early years. Mm. So my, my grandparents are now both dead as well. Yeah. Um, and I've never asked my nan about my parents, really. Yeah. Um, but I've got an auntie who's my dad's sister. And I should ask her. Yeah. I am 44 years old and I have never asked my auntie if I was close to my dad as a kid. Yeah. 
gosh, yeah. Do not want to access that bit. That's, yeah. Those are the levels. Yeah. But this is, I mean, even doing this podcast is the first step mm. to finding out that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, mm. from what it sounds like, age three, you shut down. Mm. And that is, that's without talking mm. about stuff. Yeah. Not that I'm mm-hmm. any sort of professional in any way to like <laughs> analyze this. But yeah. that you start just surviving in that way. And yeah. I think it is a survival. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a survival mechanism mm-hmm. rather than a like living yeah. mechanism. Like, yeah. It's like surviving and living, two very different yeah. things. Even though I'm sure mm. you're living wonderful other parts of your life. Yeah. But this part mm. has been so yeah. held in. Mm. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. it's so... Yeah, it's it's quite strange as well. The the level of secrecy that was around kind of my parents' death. So I would not tell anybody. I think the first time I would actually say to people that my parents had died was when I was 18. Because before that, it was just like too much to get into. As a seven-year-old, what are you going to say? Yeah. Oh, my mum and dad's dead. No, you're just going to talk about your mum. Well, I just talked about my mum. Yeah. Um, So I kept it a secret. So what, my, oh sorry, Karen. I was going to say my nan kept it a secret from her mom. Wow. So there was a family secret no. that my parents had died. She made up this whole story about my mum and dad having gone to America for my dad's work, what? and they were living over there, and that's why me and my brother were staying with my nan. That's so traumatic. I know, and then you know, deep down, part of me was thinking. Well, maybe they have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of no, fantasy totally, of life. Course. What if they actually have what if gone that, to America? What if that did happen? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that must have been a real head fuck. If I can. <laughs> I was about to say. Swear. Fucked up. <laughs> fucked up. There's always. There's, <laughs> every podcast has at least five fucks in it. Thank God. Because. Yeah, exactly. What, what kind of Why fuckery is that? Why do you think she did that? It's her daughter who's died. Yeah, I know. Her, her mother's granddaughter. Yes. Exactly. Wow. And the reason she gave was that it would just help everyone. Kill them. Yeah. Obviously, you know. Yeah. Wow. So she was protecting. High drama in the yeah, Greek family. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But it was a secret. God, how My great grand came to visit and we had to pretend that my mum and dad were in America. And you are hilarious. What, what age at this point? <laughs> 13. Oh my God. <laughs> that is. And it sounds like the Bates Motel, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how did that make you feel? Mm. What, like, how did? How do you think that? Obviously, at the time, it's your norm again. But yeah, really thinking about mm. it, how do you think that made you feel? Yeah. I think taking the two things separately, like apart from my nan's um, bizarre kind of story that she told her mum, yeah, coping um, mechanism. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So she didn't have to discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with her mum certainly you know while I was at school um, I felt a lot of shame Mm -hmm. because I wasn't like other kids yeah and I felt that really heavily part of that secrecy really is because of the shame of having old people and do you think also because your grandmother although Mm. again she probably was doing it out of, like you said, protecting mm. her mother yeah. and also protecting herself mm. from maybe having to recognise what yeah. really has happened. Yeah. But that mm. came across to you as her being ashamed of what yeah. happened. So do you think, even though that wouldn't have been her intention, mm. you know, yeah. maybe, so do you think that, I mean, 
it totally makes sense to me at yeah. least that that's why mm. you felt shame over this yeah. loss of your parents mm. at school yeah. because there was no open conversation about it. Mm. I mean, your grandmother was even yeah. denying yeah. the death of her own daughter, exactly. your, mo- your mother. Yeah. yeah. So do you think, because I was going to ask about school and I guess what happened with... Mm. Can I tell you a weird shit story? Yes, please. A weird shit story. <laughs> so when me and my brother were about, I don't know, I think it was six or seven, we got taken out of school. So, you know, quite liked school, nice place. Taken out of school for a day <laughs> to go to this Christmas party mm-hmm. in Manchester. And we'd never go to Manchester because obviously it's quite far for, mm-hmm. in, in an old person's scheme of things, quite far to go from where we were. Um, and it was, I don't know how best to describe it in a way that's PC, to be honest. Oh, so we can be as un PC as you want. Look, I am. At that point, I never saw myself as being anything other than a normal kid, apart from this parental thing. But this party was like, we for you know, there were children there with cerebral palsy. There were children there with quite obvious um, disabilities, mm. and me and my brother were part of this group. And I remember looking, you know, I still feel it today, actually, like looking around and thinking, why am I here? Mm-hmm. nobody had explained why I got taken out of school for that day to go somewhere that made me feel really different. Yeah. Really different. And even there, I felt like I didn't fit in. Yeah. So it just really exacerbated those feelings that I had already. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. Why did you get taken there? Because somebody thought they would throw me and my brother a pity party and sort of I don't know if it was like a aged aged six or seven so you know three or four years after the event I don't know whether some people you could be nominated for these things so she's had a poor life yeah let's do this nice Christmas treat for her with a bunch of randomers with a bunch of randomers exactly (laughs) um really weird but it goes on today when I was working at one of my previous employers, I deliberately volunteered to attend an event exactly like the one that I was at, just to sense check myself mm. about whether it was really as god awful as I remember it. Yeah, yeah. And it fucking was. And it was. There was a kid there that I was sort of partnered up with, and she was there with her mum and dad and her family. And I could see and I could sense and I knew that she was looking around her going, Why am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? So, yeah, that's that's my shit story. Yeah, of... that's bizarre. <laughs> I have plenty. <laughs> there are more. Yeah, there's more where that came there from. There are more. <laughs> but good, talking mm. about school again, so did you yeah. ever have sleepovers and stuff like that or was that not no. a thing? No. No. Was that your decision no. or was that the decision of... It was never even discussed. Right. Never even discussed. And there so was you, you, could keep, you could keep the secret. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I used to go swimming quite regularly and I, to the extent that an eight-year-old can, I made my nan wait outside in the car. Right. No matter the weather, yeah. she would sit in the dark and knit yeah. in the freezing cold because <laughs> I did not want her there. Yeah. And how do you think she felt about that? Did she understand... How do you think that... I have no idea. It must have hurt, but she did it. She did it, yeah. She must have understood. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to do a leap. Yeah, go for it. And I'm going to ask 
because obviously fatherlessness and yeah. now motherlessness mm. yeah. um, are two things that you experienced mm. and are ex- have experienced. Yeah. What do you think the difference has been mm-hmm. to be fatherless to motherless? And have you found yourself at some points craving a father for certain situations and other times craving a mother? I'm going to answer the second question first. Yeah. Without a doubt, I find myself craving a father more than a mother. Yeah, interesting. Um, and I don't know if that's the compliment of me being female, wanting that kind of fatherliness to complete me. That sounds so bogus. No, 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 but, it um, Yeah, I think what I imagine from a father is to have that unconditional love, which... I don't feel that I had in my early years. And so that feels now still as a lack. And also because of who my father was, you know, he was um, a respected academic. He yeah. wrote books on political conflicts in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland, mm-hmm. in you know, Palestine. He was um, you know, approached by the BBC to give his opinions on things. Mm. He was... Um, he was very capable. intelligent, uh, respected in his field. The photographs that I see of him, he's always laughing. And there was not a lot of laughter right. in my home. So it's that that I want mm. more than anything, rather than my mother. And why do you think that's been the case? As in... If you haven't got memories from mm. your mother and father that yeah. you can pinpoint, mm-hmm. why yeah. do you think you're drawn towards your father? Mm. Do you think it's because he is more in the, he's been more in the public eye? Mm. There's been more about yeah. him, more written mm-hmm. about him, or that you've yeah. seen more exposure? Mm. Do you think it's because your grandmother was not as loving to you as you needed or wanted, so mm. therefore you put your mother in that in mm. that light? And your grandfather on your mm. father's side was incredibly loving and gave you what you needed. Mm. How do you think you'd... I think the reason for that is because my nan was very present in my life. As I said, she did everything for us. And I have so much respect for what she did and what she managed to do for me and my brother. Um, and by proxy, she was a maternal figure. Yeah. You know, she looked after our physical needs. Um, I don't feel that she necessarily even had the opportunity to meet my emotional needs, mm. but she was there and yeah. present. Whereas, yeah. you know, because my granddad was just kind of completely yeah. uh, emotionally unavailable. Yeah. That the hole one that you was lived still there. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's so interesting because the mm. hole was still there. Mm. You wanted to find that. Yes. Yeah. But also, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. How when you when you found it in your mm-hmm. father's father, yeah, that was a relationship that you yeah. really held close, yeah. Rather than with your mother's mm-hmm. mother, yeah, you held far, you you held at distance, mm. yeah. No, exactly. Which I mean, we didn't see my so my dad's dad. We didn't see that often, but yeah. I just remember it being fun and yeah. maybe because it was that image of my dad that perception that of the person my dad was was so closely associated with my granddad yeah i've heard and i've seen my dad you know he's 
always as I said always laughing yeah funny guy from yeah. the, the hero stories that obviously get paraded all, in front of all orphans all dead people <laughs> I swear suddenly become heroes of course they do <laughs> it's like they've never done anything wrong I know <laughs> larger than life yeah. <laughs> oh god yeah that's really interesting and what about your not that I want to dwell on this for too long but your mm. dad's mum yeah did you get anything maternal from her um I think I also would reject her. So you just rejected the women? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. I don't know yeah. why, but the, there's... Yeah. Because... But I would feel quite uncomfortable in a number of situations. Mm-hmm. So um, whenever there was like a nuclear family, if I went to stay with my friends, mm. you know, whether young or old, certainly when I was, I was older, I was more conscious of it. I felt so uncomfortable in that kind of close family situation. Yeah. I really felt out of place. That would make sense. Yeah. Because it's something alien to Mm. you. Yeah. And also something that you feel Mm. potentially that you've lost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hurtful. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if I was in those situations, would I respond in a different way to the the mother or the father? I don't think so. I just feel really awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another thing... I want to ask mm. in terms of mother motherlessness and fatherlessness. Mm. So how do you think, so I'm going to start with the first question. Yeah. How do you think growing up fatherless mm. has affected you in your life? It has led me to make some questionable relationship choices mm-hmm. for sure. Um, in the spirit of sharing where I don't normally... As previously established on this very broadcast, um, yeah, I used to, you know, go for men who were a lot older than me. Yeah, a lot older than me. A classic why. daddy issues <laughs> moment. What a surprise! <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, when I was younger, yeah, the age difference. So I go for a lot older guys. Ridiculous. Um, and then as I got older, kind of emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. people as well. So certainly in you know, relationships, it has had a major impact. Yeah. Um, and I think actually in a lot of um, areas of my life, it's probably molded some of my bad habits. Mm. Some of those Tell me more. really... <laughs> The whole lock it away, lock it down and throw away the key. So, Mm -hmm. um, Because that was your coping mechanism. That was it. And that's what I do. So I will um, put up with a lot of shit. Mm. I am incredibly resilient, but Mm. to my own detriment. Yeah. I'll put up with a lot of shit. But when I lose my shit, that's it. I will cut you out completely. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. And you will never see me again. Too fucking right. <laughs> that it is it. That's really bad, isn't it? But that's of my worst habit. I just reach my limit and I flip my shit, and that's yeah, if it. So, if someone's been a twat, yeah, get rid. I know, but I put up twat. with it. You see, yeah, yeah, because I'm because, used to that. Because you also want that. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to this, mm. and so can literally yeah. everyone who's grown up without a dad. <laughs> you, every girl, mm. more specifically, yeah. but you in mm. relationships. I mean, yeah. But you, you re, mm. you just—it's like this searching for. Yeah, it's not a father 
because that's not what you find obviously in a mm. relationship. Yeah. But it's that male yeah. um, affirmation and uh, acceptance yeah. and mm. you want a man to love you and that's to it. hold you. Yeah. It's literally that, or mm. love you yeah. is more. Yeah. But I was wondering with you, because mm. one of my guests, Emily Warburton Adams, who I released last week or this week. And I've listened to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you remember she said at the end, which I found yeah. fascinating, how, because yeah. she, she's only lost her dad a few months ago, yeah. her dad instilled mm. worthiness into yeah. her. Exactly. He, he instilled that, mm. that um, who was yeah. worth, yeah. who was worthy of yeah. her. Mm-hmm. And I just found that fascinating. Yeah. Because you look at every mm. girl who I've had on here yeah. or who I've yeah. spoken to in my life mm. yeah. or for myself as well. Mm. It's that. Not yeah. for every girl, obviously, yeah. but that is the main yeah. lack. Yeah, exactly. And, and all vulnerabilities and mm-hmm. trauma. Yeah, I was told by this brilliant psychotherapist today, mm-hmm. who I'm getting on later on, oh, comes out in relationships. Yeah. So even if mm. we're going to get to your super success, yeah. even if you can be incredibly mm. successful yeah. in your field, which mm-hmm. you are, yeah. and which everyone on this podcast is, or on mm. the road to being, yeah. your your trauma yeah. comes out in those yeah. relationships. As does my trigger. So it's always the relationship breakdown that triggers me. Right. And I feel it hard. If I've let my guard down, then I feel it really hard, probably harder than I otherwise would because Mm -hmm. those reserves, that that unconditional love, that sense of worthiness that perhaps your father has kind of filled you with Mm. is not there to draw on. Mm -hmm. So what is that? trigger and what happens so yeah so basically I, I would put up with a lot of shit that I wouldn't necessarily have the right tools to be able to work through in a mature way yeah if I'm honest yeah and so I would put up with things I'd maybe say something wasn't quite right and then you know just kind of continue putting up with it yeah until it got to the breaking point of me going that's it over probably yeah. something minor. Yeah. Um, that could have been bought up. Or... That could have easily been resolved. Yeah. Thinking of my marriage for one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just literally will flick this switch in my head. We're going, well, I'm on my own then. Yeah. In my marriage, that's what I did. And it was over something minor. And minor. What, well, do you mind talking about what that was? Yeah, sure. So I used to work... Um, very long hours. Mm-hmm. I was the EA to the chief executive of yep. Santander then, Lloyds Banking Group now. And it was a full on intense role. Um, you know, I would come home at night. If I was home by nine, it'd be a bloody miracle, right. quite honestly. And you didn't have babies at this point? No. Yeah. So I'd be flipping knacked from working like that three, six, five. And, um, you know, we'd had kind of me and my husband had had constant arguments about who does what, the usual shit. You know, mm-hmm. I do all the cooking, we don't do the cleaning. Um, and then just this one night, I got home and it was nine and I was tired. And he said, You need to do more around the house. And it's not like, you know, I get home, he'd been home since half six. You can hear how petty it is. He's yeah. been home since half six, seven, and he's done fucking nothing but sit on his ass and watch TV. No, no, and no. I'm like, I uh, would be triggered <laughs> uh, I would be triggered but that's it you know and so I thought well I'm you know I'm not getting the support there yeah in life, but that was it a flip went no. a switch went off 
well, I'm on my own then. Yeah. And that was it. I started to do my own thing. I went out with my mates. I yeah, yeah. literally didn't spend any time God, so that's... with my husband. And so, funnily enough, the marriage broke down. Um, <laughs> so that's the, it. But maybe for the right reasons. Yeah. If he wasn't maybe. able to see, I don't know, that's mental to me. That maybe. Like... But I still think that those things, that particular trigger, um, maybe if, you know, takes two right but if yeah, i'd approach it approached it differently maybe in a more mature way without my kind of defense mechanism yeah exactly keep going keep going fuck it yeah uh, response yeah um yeah could have ended differently but that in the long term hurts me yeah of course yeah so yeah all these yeah. things these coping mechanisms mm. are the, hurt you yeah. in, in the end. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you don't deal with things. Yeah. And it's and as well. bites you in the bum. Yeah. So I want to talk about what you meant when you just now when you just said your going, going, going mm. scenario like the yeah. way that you you've got mm. a character trait or a personality trait or whatever, yeah. or a coping yeah. or something in your life that makes you just go, yeah. go, go. Mm. Which has made you Mm. Very successful. Yes. Right? Maybe. Relatively. So thinking about that, so you got into Cambridge. Yes. Which is obviously very difficult. Yes. I was I was such a <laughs> shit student. I was like the worst student ever. I do fuck all work and yeah, I yeah. get good results. Well there we go. Oh <laughs> you're one of them. I hate you. I'm one of <laughs> I'm one of those. But at least I'm honest about it. Yeah. But do you think that Mm. getting so at school yeah you must have worked mm. at least somewhat hard or at least just been very clever one or the other i did for some things yeah yeah and do you th that was there something driving you to work hard or do you think that was just you as a cat or as a person or was it like an escapism you know go upstairs and do your homework rather than chat mm. with your grandmother or i don't know oh god yeah that was never an option i loved Kind of, I would always like go upstairs as soon as I had dinner. Go upstairs and I'd just stay in my room. I wouldn't yeah. talk to my family at all, but nobody, not yeah. my brother, no one. Right, I just hide away. Go upstairs, listen to my music, do my homework. Yeah, um, I don't think I really had that drive to work hard. Yeah, um, having had. I don't know if it's a father's role typically to yeah. kind of be that breadwinner and have yeah. that success around him. So you've got someone to look up to, but I never had that. Yeah. And there was never any direction given from my grandparents. There was no pushing. It's like, nah, you do what you want. Right. You know? So why, where do you think you got your drive from? I think I got my drive from actually realising that I was quite smart. Mm -hmm. And that I had a gift in certain things, like mm -hmm. my languages. Mm -hmm. um, and the recognition yeah. of that success yeah. was where I got my kicks. So I loved the the kind of reward and the... Yeah, yeah, which I hear a lot. The because pride yeah. of achievement. And do you think that's because there was a craving there that you lacked from your parents? Yeah. I um I think it made it was something that filled that hole. Um yeah, typically I, I had my grandparents there who could have given me that recognition. Yeah. But it was 
I don't know if it's because they didn't really understand. Mm. Like my dad was an academic, you know, he and he didn't take the typical route. He was like he didn't go to our families didn't go to university. They weren't from that social class. But yeah. he worked and he worked and he worked and he got his PhD and he would have recognized the achievement in what I did. Yeah. Um counter to that you know with people I was at school with we were doing our GCSEs and you know kids dads would give them 30 quid for every A and 15 quid for every B and 10 for every C and I got straight fucking A's got home and my nan was like oh well done yeah do you want some eggs (laughs) yeah seriously I'm like do you know what's the point what is the point and again that flip switch what's the point in sharing this with them they don't get it yeah they don't get it yeah so I just didn't yeah I didn't and just went your own path. Went my own path. Had the arrogance to kind of say to myself, well, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to get into Cambridge because it's fucking hard. Yeah. But I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. I'm going to work as much or as little as I normally do. Yeah. If I get in, I get in. Yeah. If I don't. And when you got matter. in, did you think about your parents in that moment? Did you think what they would think of that? Because they didn't go to university and this is one of the no. top top universities in the world no never 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 didn't cross your mind no didn't yeah i don't think the only even with your academic dad even with as as in his profession is books and writing and the closest i got to really considering you know him and was looking up his books in the university library that gave me a kick i was like ah my dad's famous yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) how did that feel was that it was weird yeah it was really weird yeah so the, there's this thing that my dad created and I can access that, but I can't access him. Yeah. So and do you think that you, because he obviously worked incredibly hard to get to where he got to. Mm, yeah. Do you think a part of your drive could be related to knowing how mm. incredibly hard he worked and also maybe wanting to be a bit more like him, even though you do different things? I think there's a desire to be more like him. I certainly have this deep desire to be, you know, to write like he did to create books like he did um I definitely you know would love to have had the chance to really get to know him Mm. for sure and what about your mum it's weird isn't it I don't know like I said I feel like I've had a female role model so Mm. if it were a choice I would bring my dad back. Mm. That's horrible. I've never said that. <laughs> I've never said that out loud. But yeah, I would bring my dad back. And why do you think that is? I know that we've spoken mm. about it, but I'm so interested mm. in... Because you yeah. don't remember both of them mm. equally. So I think yeah. it's more mm. wondering why. Yeah, I think it's because I would like him to just put his arms around me mm. protect you yeah mm. exactly and feel that comfort as mm. well yeah that everything's okay yeah so I'm in like a privileged position having listened to your previous podcasts I would mm. say that you know where I am now in you know the whole gamut of fatherlessness is kind of somewhere between and I completely identify with Sharmadine read and what she was saying a lot of what you've said has reminded me of that. a lot of that especially around if I unpack this shit and make myself better 
am I going to lose part of what drives me forward? Am I going to lose some of what's brought me here mm. such that I'm not able to go forward in this thing that I'm doing right, right yeah. now? I'm somewhere between that and somewhere behind uh, people who have actually dealt with their shit. So I've kind of started unpacking it a little bit, mm. but I'm in that midway point where I still know I'm not quite right. And, you know, the question you just asked me really kind of struck a chord in that I bring my dad back because inside I still feel like I'm three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, because that's where, yeah. yeah, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's where your life ended. Yeah. But... It's also where your first memory mm. started. Yeah. So it's like a bizarre dual life. Yeah. I can relate exactly. to that. The, the change that goes mm. from a car yeah. accident. Yeah. You, I also went to go and live with my grandparents, but my yeah. mother was still alive. Yeah. Thank God. You know, mm. I was so lucky like that. Yeah. But, whoa, it's weird. And the life before is like fantasy mm. world that didn't really exist. It's yeah. like a dream. Exactly. Is, I used to pinch myself. Is this real? Yeah. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. So we've talked about what you think the effects mm. are of growing up fatherless. And yeah. I know you feel a much stronger mm. bond with your father than you do yeah. with your mother. Mm. But how do you think growing up motherless has affected you? And sorry to add to this, mm. you've now become a mother. Oh, this so is So tell weird. me about that. Yeah. yeah. Becoming a mother is weird. I keep answering your second questions first. I know, sorry. It's because I, it. I ask two questions. Compound it's questions. Bad interview skill. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shit. Um, so, what was the first question? So, first question was, how do you think Mother growing up without a mother mm. has affected you? Because we know yeah. we've spoken about father, and that's yeah. mainly podcasters <clears throat> about. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Following from that, yeah. how do you think it's affected you mm. now being okay. a mother? So I think being motherless has made me very self-reliant. So I will get on with things and I won't afford myself any kind of comfort. Mm -hmm. So I am not great at self-care. Because nobody's ever, I haven't learned that from anybody. And your mother is typically your caregiver. You know, in society, even today, the mother is principally the caregiver yeah. in the family dynamic. So growing up without one and, you know, a grandmother who was grief stricken and didn't have those emotional resources to drawn when we were children has left me really missing that element mm. of having a mother yeah um being a mother now I'm finding really strange particularly because my twins are three now this is the age right yeah that I became an orphan yeah effectively and I've caught myself looking at them just looking at them and studying them how they are now they're consciousness and trying to imagine like what would happen if between now and tomorrow I was gone from their lives and um, it's really really strange how I keep thinking about it like, mm. I'll tell you about last night 
And this kind of goes towards, you know, me saying I haven't properly dealt with my issues. Mm. I went up to their room before I went to bed. And for some weird reason, my daughter, she was just fast asleep. She, you know, that kind of typical body language pose where you're all spread out. Yeah, yeah. You know, Arms she played. looked so comfortable, so secure, so beautiful. Yeah. I just burst out crying. Oh. I burst out crying. Not for the child in me. Yeah. Just what? Yeah. And, you know, because that's it. I'm identifying with them at three with the little girl that was me at three. Yeah. Are they two little girls? I know. I've got a boy and a girl. Yeah. Got yeah. a deal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you should meet them. Tick, tick. They're amazing. Yeah. But Jesus, they would tear the studio apart in like yeah, three yeah, seconds. You've met Kevin and Carlon. Imagine them as children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you ever talk about with them their grandma and grandpa yeah I do um I talk about them their grandma and grandpa they're you know quite young they yeah, can't really course. grasp it but I'm just trying to normalize it by saying grandma and granddad are up in the sky yeah so they're up in the sky and they're looking down on us yeah and making sure we're okay yeah and do you find those moments that you that amazing moment that mm. you just described do you find you you feel that more towards your daughter than your son? Yeah, I wasn't crying over his bed. I was at hers. Mm. I went and I sat down just on the end of her bed. And do you think it's because also you realise what you lost? Mm. Yeah. Being, being the mother you are to Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're very philanthropic. Mm. And I guess I want to know, do you think that, you know, you're incredibly high achieving, able, accomplished... You're in a position of power and what's so amazing is you're using that power to help other people. So I was wondering if, where do you think that stems from? Do you think it could be related to what happened to you or do you think it's totally detached? Very much related. So I, you know, the, the philanthropy that I've done, the volunteering, the work for the NSPCC, that was specifically because I could have a direct impact on the lives of children, many of them orphans, mm. uh, and have the chance to improve it. So that's very directly because I know what that feels like. And by the grace of God, I had grandparents and didn't end up in you know, a very different scenario. Yeah. Um, Médecins Sans Frontières was, again, you know, it's a, an incredible organisation that helps. It goes where no one else will to mm -hmm. bear witness to some of the worst things that are happening on the planet. You know, yeah. natural disasters, man-made atrocities. Yeah. You'll find them there. And that, is worth supporting. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's out there, <laughs> write them a check. <laughs> because I, when, I, mm. when I was obviously researching mm. you, I realised a lot of what yeah. you do is very, very philanthropic. Even what you're mm. doing with humanised communications, mm. getting people to yeah. talk to people like normal human beings and not yeah. robots. Mm -hmm. And I don't know mm. if I'm generalising here, but people who've mm. really suffered mm. tend to be people who also then give and I think it stems from empathy. Yeah. I think that people who have suffered have a heightened sense of empathy towards others. Yeah. And particularly those who, you know, are disadvantaged, feel like they don't fit in. Particularly for me, it's, you know, making 
what I try to do through my work mm. is to help people feel included. And I use language a lot to do that. And can I quickly interject? Yeah. That's because you, throughout your childhood, felt like an outsider and felt excluded. And adulthood. In every kind of major um, stage of my life, I felt like a misfit. Whether mm. that's primary school, because I was hiding the fact that I had no parents. Whether that's university, where I'm from like small school in the north of England, no special circumstances at all, surrounded by people who had streaming lessons to make sure that they got into Cambridge or Oxford, were separated from the rest of the school, had fucking flying lessons in the sixth form. Yeah. What the fuck? What the hell? And literally on the first day of arriving, people would ask me, what school did you go to? Uh, not my name. Not where I live. <laughs> not what I'm going to study. You know, common shit. But what school I went to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shut up. Uh, where am I? So yeah, sure. misfit, misfit, misfit. So yeah. definitely, yeah. That sense of inclusion at work is really important to me, mm. and humanize humanizing the work environment is so important because mm. you know, we communicate to each other on a daily basis and corporate doublespeak is just not going to do anymore. Yeah. You, know, you can't talk to people as if, you know, you're taking your A-level English exam from yeah. the 1970s. It's just not going to wash. Yeah. And also you don't get the best out of people Absolutely then. Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. I've mm. got to wrap this up because Sorry. James is probably pacing outside. <laughs> so I've got, I've got the last question that I ask yeah. everyone. So you've probably heard it. And it's the one I've been dreading, yeah. actually. <laughs> I'm sure. It is the one I've been dreading. <laughs> so what I want to know, I'm so yeah. sorry. I always apologise when yeah. I ask someone this because it is so intense. Yeah. Both your parents have died. So mm. I want to know oh God. two different things. So yeah. if your mum and dad were listening to this podcast right now, what would you want to say to each of them? Okay, shitballs is not what I'd say, but I only prepared an answer for my father because this is a Daddy Issues podcast. I and I also thought I could go with a kind of rehearsed answer or go with the truth. <laughs> go with the truth. And I'm going to go with the truth. Um, I'm still quite angry that... <laughs> So I'd probably say, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck? Why the fuck did you do that? Mm. Honestly, I'm still angry. Yeah. My mum, oh, it's hard, you know. And I again, I think this is probably because it's still boxed in. Mm. I'd probably just say hi. That's pretty sad. No, it's not. Because I don't have that. It's not sad. She's a stranger to me. Yeah. You know? But saying hi is like the most natural thing in the world. It's what you do when you see someone. Feels like a lame answer, but <laughs> you can edit that out. But yeah, the dad was the one that I prepared and I wasn't prepared for this. But Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Leah. You have been unbelievable. And thank you so much for being so open and so incredibly raw and honest and inspirational. And I just want to say thank you as well, because I think if I were 
the child that I was or the teenager that I was and this was available, it would be really useful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh. oh, come here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Daddy Issues with Leah Bowden. I don't really have words to describe what I just recorded. So I guess the only thing I can really say is talking to someone who could relate to fatherlessness as well as motherlessness, I think was unbelievably precious to have on this podcast and the fact that she's using as I've said a few times during this episode all her power and skill set to put into good and helping others I'm just blown away with inspiration for Leah so yeah I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did recording her and thank you very much for listening as always please don't hesitate to get in touch with us via our website www.thedaddyissuespodcast.com A special thanks goes out to Warren at Walkie Productions who did all my sound and Aaron and Ben at Interface who did my website and graphic design. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify to stay tuned with new episodes and of course spread the Daddy Issues message. Have a lovely rest of your day and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>